0: Welcome to House Party, a podcast where real estate, news, and pop culture collide, coming straight to you from the editors of Realtor.com. I'm Natalie Way. And I'm Rachel Stoltz. Welcome back to House Party. As you heard, there is no, and I'm Eric Gunther. Moving forward, it's just going to be Rachel and me. Eric is going to be taking a step back to work on some other projects, uh, we hope from time to time that he will drop in to drop his knowledge on celebrity homes um, and unique homes, although we will still be talking about those. Um, we love Eric's voice and we love everything that he's contributed to the podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, we're just shaking it up. If you have any questions or comments for Eric, please
1: email them uh, to podcast at realtor.com. We will be sure to pass along to him
0: and get him on the pod to answer them. So let's talk about some of the hottest topics in real estate for the past week. Real estate news, but then also just like generally pop culture news. Kanye West surprised us all on the 4th of July last uh, Saturday, two Saturdays ago, by announcing that he's running for president. Kanye West says he's running for president. The music mogul made the announcement in a tweet, writing, we must now realize the promise of America by trusting God, unifying our vision, and building our future. So that happened. That was... That happened. Everyone was like, okay.
1: We're not going to spend a ton of time talking about Kanye's politics because that's not the podcast that we are. But we did want to take this opportunity to take another look at what he's doing in Wyoming. Um, I know we talked about it on a podcast months ago, about this big spread of land that he's bought in in Wyoming to kind of build a real estate empire. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to take another look at what's going on there. How is it coming?
0: Yeah. So he owns this place in Wyoming. It's a nine thousand acre ranch. Um, it's located in Cody, Wyoming. It was current. It was it was listed for fourteen million. The final purchase price is was undisclosed. So we're not exactly sure how much he paid for it. Um. Recently, Kanye was approved for permits to build um, not only a huge, huge mansion, uh, a 10-bedroom, approximately 52,000-square-foot mansion on the property. He also was approved to build two subterranean garages. Sized at 10,000 square feet each. Not one, but two. What do you think he's going to do with that? We spoke to some experts. Some people thought that... It can, I mean, they noticed that it could fit a a jet, like a private jet. So maybe oh. he plans on keeping, buying a jet and keeping it down there. I know that based on his tweet about running for president, he has a bit of a friendship with Elon Musk. So yeah. maybe he's going to be storing some of either some Teslas or some, you know, whatever spacecraft stuff under there. Um he might have a car collection we don't know about that he wants to put down there. Um, it seems like doomsday prepping, kind of, to be honest. Yeah.
1: It's a strange decision. And then on top of that is the experts that we spoke to not only said that this is going to take the high seven figures to build, mm-hmm. but it's going to also take forever to to build because yeah. you're building a structure like this that's kind of almost like a commercial space so that's going to take a few years and then they're mm-hmm. also dependent on the number of workers that can be available to build it and the township in Wyoming to approve permits and stuff so mm-hmm. I don't think that we're going to see Kanye hunkering
0: down in Wyoming necessarily anytime soon or even I- like being able to just like break ground on this project
1: Right, um, and it's important to note that this was in the works before his you know, presidential announcement, so mm-hmm. this isn't necessarily something he's doing in, in anticipation of being our next uh, leader, but maybe it's all part of a master
0: plan. Who knows? Yeah, maybe he's like five steps ahead of us and <laughs> he knows something that we don't know. It's like the long con. <laughs> I don't know, man, but anyway, Kanye West just building it up on his Wyoming ranch. Next, in terms of like real estate news, uh, a house hit the market from a very famous documentary. Uh, Rachel, did you ever watch The Staircase? No, I started
1: it and I stopped it, not because of lack of interest. I'm really sorry. I know I've heard amazing things
0: about it. (laughs) Don't need to apologize, (laughs) apologize. it's fine. I'm not not personally offended. (laughs) no i mean i'm familiar kind of
1: ish with the with the story behind it but no i haven't i it's on my list trust me Mm -hmm. it's on my netflix
0: list but um essentially so the home is in north carolina it's in durham north carolina it's a huge place it's almost 10,000 square feet and it's on about three and a half acres of land uh it's on the market for 1.9 million which you know you're You're getting a good chunk of house for a relatively reasonable chunk of change, you know, I mean, well, if, yeah, because somebody was pushed down the stairs in it, right? Well, right. <laughs> <laughs> there is a bit of stigma attached to this house. The story of the staircase, the documentary, the man Michael Peterson, um who used to live here, he was accused and charged of murdering his wife in the home. Kathleen Peterson was found um, by Michael at the foot of the a staircase in their home. She was completely banged up, blood everywhere, and her death was unexplainable they they you know there was they didn't know how she died. Um, many theories came about, but Michael was convicted of the murder. He went to prison for eight years. Um, he and he entered- claims she just fell, right. He claimed she fell, you know, there's just so much. And and that's, the documentary does a really good job of going into all the little nitty gritty details. So if you're interested in true crime, it's a good one to check out. It's on Netflix. And it's also worth noting that Peterson is not the one, yeah, Peterson's not the one selling this house right now. He, it it was sold in 2004. It changed hands again in 2008. And so you're not buying directly from, Michael Peterson however for some people that would still be a deal breaker right the fact that she died in the house
1: Um, yeah the other thing I thought was interesting is that the same home was the fictional set in the 1990 movie The Handmaid's Tale Mm -hmm. not the show not the Netflix show with Elizabeth Moss but the movie in 1990 with um, Robert Duvall Faye Dunaway and uh, Natasha Richardson
0: it's it's a house with a with a weird history Maybe we should get into why you have feelings, (laughs) strong feelings about this house. Well, Um, you
1: asked me yesterday, and we didn't talk about this at length, but you said, would you, Rachel, buy a house that had this kind of stigma attached, whether or not she was murdered, but somebody who died and was the subject of this big documentary? And my answer was, my first reason for not buying it would be, I think it's ugly. mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's not ugly. It's just not my style. It's extremely colonial. It's extremely just kind of antiquated looking and not in the best way. Yeah. And the decor, which I know can be, re- a lot of it can be removed, but it's just hideous. <laughs> I mean, they have candelabras in the it's, living room and a lot of red velvet. It's
0: just over the top. It's ridiculous. There's like Versailles vibes. Yeah, and totally. Like, there's like gold leaf side console tables and the yeah the great red carpet i'm just like what who is this okay like who who are you trying to appeal to um, exactly with these, with these photos Who's your
1: target audience here
0: yeah it's i mean i do appreciate the this the exterior siding the white exterior siding with the black shutters very traditional there's some really cool molding throughout the house um the grand staircase in the foyer is actually, I think that's pretty cool.
1: It's important. We should note, they show the grand staircase in the foyer, but <laughs> the listing photos make a point not to show the back staircase where yes. she fell down.
0: Don't expect to see the crime scene photo. <laughs>
1: the yeah. Listing photo. And if you want to check out this house, we forgot to mention at the top, um, if you want to check out this house, it's 1810 Cedar Street in Durham, North Carolina.
0: Yep. Yep. I think this house just needs someone who a is not afraid of a stigmatized property, and b has the imagination to modernize this this older home. Uh, Ooh,
1: you know what this house would be good for?
0: What? That show on
1: Quibi that we recapped, Murder House Flip.
0: Murder House Flip. Absolutely. Yeah. They
1: should. I can't even remember their names now, but they should come in and
0: flip this house. Well, I just, I just discontinued my, I suspended my, my Quibi subscription. <laughs> As did I. Don't tell anybody. As did like 94% of the people who got the, the trial subscription. So, Rachel, when my mom and I were on the road uh, driving from New York to LA, basically our whole routine would be park the car, check in, and then bring the bags into the room, wipe stuff down. And then we'd usually just settle in and watch a TV show.
1: But finding the right TV show, I'm sure, is probably hard. Something you both would appreciate.
0: One time we watched Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, which was one of my favorite shows. I like that one. Um, I love Triple D. Uh, Another show that we caught was um, Hometown the HGTV show.
1: And we've been writing about Hometown for a while now. Yeah. Uh, Hometown's kind of become, I feel like, a sleeper hit. Like, I had not heard of it at all, and now I'm hearing about it everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, it's on HGTV, and it features this couple, Ben and Arian Napier, and they restore historic homes in their town of Laurel, Mississippi. And their, Mm -hmm. their big focus is on uh, historic preservation and basically revitalizing this grungy community into the glory of its former self. Yeah, And uh, I think I've always sort of gotten the impression that they wanted to be sort of like the next Chip and Joe, but I had not tuned into an episode. You had not until your road trip. Mm-hmm. You and I both recently watched. Let's <laughs> discuss. What did you think?
0: Well, if you're going to hometown, if you're tuning into hometown to expect to get the same energy (laughs) energy from, uh, (laughs) that you get from fixer upper, it's not, it's not going to happen. It's a very different tone. It's a very different pace of a show. The similarities are there on the surface level. You have the two hosts a a married couple, man and a woman. Um, they're rehabbing homes and, there's a lot of discourse about revitalizing the town that they live in, just like Chip and Joe have just taken Waco by storm and really made it a destination. I think that's what Ben and Aaron hope to do for for Laurel. They have a lot of love for their hometown. But, yeah, like I said, the, the pace... <laughs> comma, but. <laughs> comma, but the pace is a lot slower. Ben is not as zany as Chip,
2: yeah, well, who could um,
0: they? And they're both, I mean, Aaron and Ben are both just the, as sweet as can be. Like, I Yeah, would, they're lovely. Yeah, they're lovely. I would let them, and they're they're very telegenic. I understand why the show is so popular. um, But if you are tuning in to hometown, having it be Fixer Upper 2.0, it's not.
1: But if you are into historic renovations and you want to see... Uh, how a couple of craftspeople take something and really preserve the historic nature of it, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And again, if you want to watch Hometown, it's on um, It's on Hulu, but only season one is on Hulu. Mm-hmm. I watched on YouTube. This was season uh, four, episode 11, and mm-hmm. it was uh, called The Philip Stein House. This was the episode I watched because we were able, luckily, to get in touch with the participant in this episode, Rhonda Phillips, Yeah, and get all the behind-the-scenes scoop of how everything went down.
0: So please enjoy our interview with Rhonda. So we're here with Rhonda Phillips, who is featured on Season 4, Episode 11 of the HGTV show, Hometown. Rhonda, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, and uh, thank you for inviting me. No worries. So, Rhonda, you are um,
0: the Dean of the Honors College at Purdue University in Indiana. um, And you grew up in, it's Bassfield, Mississippi? That's right.
2: Yes. Okay.
0: And so that's kind of, that was your connection to Laurel, um, Mississippi, where the show Hometown takes place. And that sparked your interest in Hometown. Um, What else attracted you to the show? um, And why did you apply to be on the show?
2: Oh, sure. Well, you know, I've I've been involved uh, for a very long time in community development work, um, both, you know, as an academic, but also as a practitioner prior to that, working with communities um, both in the U.S. and abroad to just help make things better for the people who live there. And so when Hometown was first uh, announced, of course, I was really interested because it's very near where I grew up. And um, I saw it as a way that the Napiers were trying to help redevelop their town, which is a, mm-hmm. sort of a smallish town, but it has a, a nice fabric of historical properties and homes that have been there for a long time, and it was really just a way to connect back to two interests. One, this idea of going home and having roots in the place that I grew up, and second, tying back to doing community development instead of teaching it now, actually getting the chance to participate in a community revitalization of Laurel. That's awesome. Um, How did you get cast on the show? What was the process of that? It was uh, one night in uh, February. We had a a horrific winter storm come through with a blizzard and the winds were howling. It was late. I couldn't sleep. And so I decided I needed to try to get back to my home region of the South. <laughs> mm. this, this brutal winter, winter experience. And, and after seven years of it, I'd just gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, it's time to figure this out. And um, I went online and I started looking at the show. And of course, I went to the HGTV website and read about hometown there. It turns out there was a media production company that um produces hometown and there was a contact so my first point of contact was um really to to reach out to the production company um rtr media and ask them if if there's any possibility that i could talk to the napiers about community development because my idea was Mm. to interview them first for you know to get some feedback on what they're doing for community development from very sort of a professional standpoint and um, I mentioned that at some point I'd love to have a place back home, and so one thing sort of led to another, and we kept c- conversing, and and um, it just sort of unfurled that the best choice was, you know, for me to, to try to be on the show. You know, I, I absolutely love historic properties. My husband does too, and we've both wanted a historic home for quite a while and just haven't found that, and so we were just very eager to see what would pop up, knowing that there were quite a few craftsman houses, uh, you know, available in Laurel. Rhonda, I know that there were
1: two houses that you looked at in the show. One was a craftsman. Um, The other was a creepy house from 1884 um, that was described pretty often as having kind of Salem, Massachusetts or New England vibes. What can you tell us? What are you allowed to tell us about the selection process and how that
2: went down? Sure. Well, what we do first is you fill out quite a few forms and essays about what you like and what you don't like. And and so I had filled that out saying, you know, I really prefer craftsman style and I like a lot of wood. The homeowner, you know, is, is thinking what they like and, and sometimes it emerges pretty clearly. Sometimes it doesn't. I think my face gave it away on the show that that was just not going to work in that other house. (laughs) I will admit
1: you didn't have much of a poker face, but um, it was enjoyable to
2: watch.
1: (laughs) Did they, did they only show you those two? I don't, again, I don't know if you're allowed to say, but was it really that you were only, you only saw between two houses and you? Yeah. Those
2: two were the ones that were, that would have, would work on the show. We, you know, there were other ones for sale, you know, but we, we quickly narrowed it down. They, they are. They, they have to look at the houses to consider what could work on the show, because obviously there may be cases where either it's just out of the range of you know financial possibility to redo some of the houses, or it's, it's too far gone, maybe too much damage, and you know. So they they look at the houses carefully before before you go into your final negotiations. So gotcha. Um, in
0: terms of you know. the format of the show, essentially a house is chosen. um, You purchase it. And then Aaron and Ben Napier, the hosts um, essentially take the reins and design the house and choose. They choose all the colors, fixtures, pretty much everything based on the brief that you fill out. And and that, that says your preferences. Um, Was it scary for you to let them take the reins and kind of, design this or did you have real trust in them that they were going to nail it
2: yeah well i had seen you know all the previous three seasons so i had a lot of faith that they they would do a very good job and you know when you fill out your essays and your forms you you sort of say what you like and if there's something you hate you put that down too. you know like nothing mm-hmm. or whatever you know um and so they have a they have a good sense of what you like and what you don't like but you really have to just sort of let go and just um take that leap of faith that they're going to give a something that's going to be spectacular at the end and a, and a major transformation. And so actually, I sort of liked that. I I like the idea of just sort of being surprised. And I, I, I didn't feel like I had to look at every detail or anything. You just know generally um, what will happen, but you don't know any details. And so I felt good. The only thing, you know, I, I had suggested was, when we were looking at the houses, um, I had said, if there's any wood to be uncovered with any of these, they had styrofoam up all over the house. It was just just horrible. Yeah. If there's wood under there, I, I would prefer to keep the wood instead of doing like sheetrock. And they did that. I mean, they found um, the living room ceiling was covered up with, with styrofoam. And so they they finished that and restained it and and it's gorgeous. I mean, it's, it's one of the highlights of the house to walk in and have that wood ceiling with, you know, original 1920s wood. So, so it's, it's quite Mm -hmm. gorgeous, but it was that kind of thing. You sort of, you know, you let them know what you like, but you have to just step back and you, you can't go see it. And so you just Mm -hmm. step back and you say, go for it and, and see what happens. So you'd say that you are happy with the transformation. (laughs) Oh, delighted. Um,
0: I have a question just, uh, I feel like HGTV show watcher, watchers of shows like this always ask, I, I'm always curious about this. Do you get to keep the furniture? that they staged the home with?
2: <laughs> well, there, there is, um, an allowance of furniture that's part of the budget. And so mm-hmm. I, I got to keep quite a bit of it and I think they pick the furniture for the place. And so, so, there's some things that look just like they completely belong and should stay. Some of it is staged with local providers, like mm-hmm. local furniture stores or local uh, artists or regional mm-hmm. artists, like some of the, the, um, Artwork, and and so you have a chance. If you want to, you can purchase that and keep the rest of it. And, and we did. We kept we kept quite a bit of it. The there were just a few pieces of art that we opted not to keep because we had some of from our own own things that we wanted to use instead. You know, I I most most of the pieces that were highlighted in the show uh, they're still there. Were there
0: any unexpected or surprising parts about? This? the process of being on this hgtv show um that
2: you could share with us yeah absolutely well i guess i was too naive i mean i have filmed things for work before but they just come in with a camera and you say a few words and that's it i for a show because they have to get um multiple takes sometimes on things because you can be standing outside and the train comes by. Well, then no one can hear what you say, you know, I guess I never really stopped and thought about that. You you know, a person be on the show, you'd have to retake um, some of the things just because of background noise or lighting or someone starts coughing or something. Got it. Yeah, that
0: seems it we just, you know, when we see a show, it just seems like, oh everything's so but the dialogue's perfect and everything, you know, but yeah. it's there's a lot that goes into it that that kind of pulls away from the authenticity. If you could do it over again,
1: Rhonda, would you do anything differently?
2: I think I would um I, I don't know. I think I would, I would be better prepared for the filming itself, you know, and, and go in it knowing that it's, it's going to be long days of filming because they have to set up lights and they have to set up sound and they have to block cars off from coming right beside you and, you know, just to, yeah. to get the quality that they need for filming. And so I, I would be better prepared for that if I had to do it over again.
0: Awesome. Rachel, did you
1: have any more questions? No, we're we're delighted for you, Rhonda. I'm glad that it all worked out and um sounds like you, you found your dream home to
2: retire in. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to invite anyone else to come and find their house in Laurel too and, and be on the show because that's it's such a neat place and people are coming from all over to to be part of it. And I think it's um it's a good thing for everybody and so they can come and, and, and be my neighbor. <laughs> I love that. Um
0: all right, well Rhonda, thank you so much for joining us today. Um we're really glad we could sit down with you and chat about your experience.
2: Yeah, it was it was delightful.
0: Great. All right. Well, you have a great day. Thank you again. Thank you. All right. It's time for winners and losers. This is a segment at the end of the episode where we will discuss celebrities and homes that they bought, sold or rented. Uh, Our loser for this week is poker player. Phil Helmuth. And
1: I will admit, no idea who Phil Helmuth is.
0: Really? You don't know who the 15-time World Series of (laughs) Poker uh, winner, champion is?
1: Are you being sarcastic because I should know or that I shouldn't know?
0: No, that you shouldn't know. I mean, unless you're a poker head. The reason why Phil is our loser this week, uh, he's selling his house. It's his home in Las Vegas. The address. Oh, no, we can't dox him because he's technically a celebrity, I think. Um, (laughs) uh, The reason why he's a loser is because he got on Twitter. Getting on Twitter is a a bit of a theme for this episode. He got on Twitter and he posted pictures of his place. um, And he said, I'm selling my house in Las Vegas. It's in the Las Vegas Country Club. 2909. Oh. He doxxed himself. 2909 Air Drive. Before we listed on MLS, I thought I would give social media a shot. Reach out to Karina if you're interested. Karina's his real estate agent. Uh, 430K. Hashtag positivity. (laughs) Positivity. So he proceeded to And then what followed was brutal. Like
1: Twitter just roasted the crap out of this guy. Right.
0: He was roasted for a number of reasons. Um... The decor is but ugly. the The home is very <laughs> ugly. I'm I'm sorry. Like it's objectively ugly, right? It's objectively <laughs> old. Um. Someone said like 1986 called. They want their decor back. You know. Yeah. So people were commenting on that. They were commenting on the fact that it's priced higher than comps in the area. So they're like, "Do you take us for fools? Why? <laughs> like, right. we're not gonna overpay for your house." Um, and then some people even thought that it could have been in foreclosure.
1: Yeah. There is a lot of speculation in the Twitter feed. Um, we'll leave it to you guys to go check it out. We have a story on realtor.com slash news. If you want to look it up realtor.com slash news, and then Phil Helmuth, mm-hmm. we have the whole, uh, Twitter, a link to the Twitter feed there. But
0: the reason that we, I mean, because You can't just call someone a loser for getting roasted on Twitter.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was an unfortunate side effect that he got roasted after deciding to sell his home on Twitter. But we're calling him a loser because why are we calling him a
0: loser? (laughs) We're calling him a loser because this just doesn't seem like the best way to show that you're serious about selling a property going online. Um, I don't know. It just it seemed like a weird tactic to put it up before it was even on the MLS. It kind of it did seem like a bit of a publicity stunt because it's not actually on the MLS yet. Yeah, he's our loser because he I guess also because he price he priced the home over its value. So, yeah, and got out ahead of it on social
1: media before that before the MLS. It just seems like he did things kind of backward. I don't think that we're necessarily criticizing advertising your home on social media, but Mm -hmm. probably not best for that to be your first step before working with an agent and posting it on the MLS, right? Um, he just really jumped the gun and gave people an opportunity to roast it and, frankly, kind of bring the value of it down mm-hmm. um, with all of the the hate talk.
0: It's so, kind of backfiring. Yeah, it's it's if he wanted to use this as a strategy to sell the home, I don't know if you're, I don't know if it was the best decision. Yeah, I know there's that old
1: adage of any publicity is good publicity, but in this case, I would say that is not the case for. Poor poker pro Phil Helmuth.
0: Yeah, he he has a, a tell. We picked up on his tell, and his tell Ooh. is
1: nice poker pun. <laughs> he
0: he showed his hand, and he had uh, all. He look had, at you! <laughs> he put all his cards on the table. He had yeah, <laughs> and they were all bad. Um, okay, let's move on to our winner. Our winner is a young man by the name of you <laughs> why would why I say, say like- it like that <laughs> okay our winner is Jason Duggar he is 20 years old he's one of the Duggar children of course from the famous Duggar family 12th kids of in- 19 19 kids and counting he's 12 yeah 12th of 19 uh Rachel why is he our winner of the week he is our winner because he built a house all by himself and
1: then he sold it for $234,000.
0: Jason owns a contracting business um, and he recently built a home in Bella Vista, Arkansas. After going on the market in mid May for, like you said, Rachel, um, about 230, 235000 the home was sold last week for full price. He got his price on this place. Yeah. And
1: this isn't his first foray into real estate. There was another home a couple of years ago that he fixed up and flipped, and also sold uh, for a profit. Um, so yeah, I, the Duggars not
0: doing so bad in the the real estate biz. Yeah, in March, uh, Jim Bob and Michelle, the parents Duggar, um, flipped a home in Arkansas, in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, it sold in mid February for one point, excuse me, one point five million. They bought it for a measly two hundred and thirty thousand dollars in two thousand fourteen, um, and they had a dream of fixing it up. It's a very unique looking property. I think we've said we've called it things like a place that you would go for like an off-site meeting or a um, <laughs> corporate a big, retreat, yeah. a corporate retreat type of place, maybe a church group gathering uh but they really I mean they made it beautiful it's a it's a huge space but anyway so they they had success I would say that the Duggars are on a pretty good real estate kick with with Jason selling his place and getting his price
1: yeah and unfortunately we don't have interior photos of the house that Jason built and now has sold for 234, um, there is an exterior photo. And if you want to look at it, the address is 5 Coverack Lane. C-O-V-E-R-A-C-K Lane in Bella Vista,
0: Arkansas. Yeah. Um, the exterior is cute, you know? Yeah. It's it's a, it's it's a cozy. nice. What would we call this? It's not like, it's kind of Craftsman kind of. Yeah. It's just craftsman a nice. Craftsman bungalow-ish. Comfortable family home. And so for that. We're going to call Jason Duggar our winner of the week. That's it for house party. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If you like what you heard, please hit the subscribe button and scroll down. If you have some extra time, please give us a five-star rating and write us a review. We love hearing what you have to say about the show. Um, if you want to read any of the stories that we talked about today, you can go to Realtor.com news. That's our news and insights site. Um, you can also go to your search engine, type in Realtor.com and the topic, and it should pop up. If you have any burning questions about real estate or the homes that we've talked about, the stories we've
1: talked about, or you just want to ask us what we're doing with our lives, please email us at podcast at realtor.com. Um, if email's not really your thing, you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter. We are at House Party Pod on both.
0: Yeah. Come join the conversation. And uh, again, we really appreciate you tuning in. Come back next week and we'll catch you later. Bye. Bye.